When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal's in. And uh, getting ready as Wednesday's here. We get cranked up for Nebraska-Ohio State. Real red reaction following Nebraska-Ohio State. We're in the rail yard pregame Saturday. The Hale Varsity offices. Postgame, real red reaction also from Hale Varsity. And don't forget, come see us at Kincaider. Brewing on Friday, four to six Roadshow Friday. We're in studio. It looks uh, Big Ten weather-ish outside, and uh, let's roll our sleeves up. Numbers to get in: four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow, and uh, feel free to comment uh, on Twitter. Can do so at Schmidt underscore. Radio or at Herbal Essence is how you do that on Twitter. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. More uh, tweets in about where the hell the website uh, or the show is on the website. Elijah Herbal and company. And uh, Pat with Herdad Media, man. We are on uh, multiple platforms for the pod- for the podcast. So that means iTunes for sure you can subscribe to. That means you can get us on Spotify. That means you can get us on Google Play. So a couple of things have happened. I will have a side of beef by the time 2021 starts from Elijah and me uh, doing steak and beer bets every Friday. Two, you can uh, just hear the show about any time, any way you want. And, of course, you stream us ESPNLincoln.com with our great affiliates out west and in northeast Nebraska. So let's talk about success. Huh? Let's talk about it. Mike Babcock will join us in 20 minutes. Mike Shuart from Wilderness Ridge in, in about 40 minutes. Brad Edwards and Jacob Padilla. So we're loaded up with some, some football talk. Success Saturday is what? Dot, 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 dot. Let's fill in the blank. Let us fill in the blank. Right now, Elijah Herbal's kind of rubbing. He's going Indiana Jones. He's, he's rubbing... The cheek and the chin, and, and he's pondering. The, the simple answer is, well, don't get killed. <laughs> you can play hard, and it may not matter. Do you have an older brother that just pummeled you in the driveway? Do you have a younger brother that pummeled you in the driveway? <laughs> I'll let you guess which answer is mine. Um you know, what, what is success on Saturday? And, and the easy answer is don't get killed. Don't get embarrassed. Listen, man, they're going to go play hard. They're going to try and go play well. And it, it, it may not matter. 
It, it may be tight. It may be back and forth. It may keep your – you're interested because it's football, for God's sake, and it's Nebraska football. But I'm interested, no matter what happens Saturday, I mean, you've seen the worst of Ohio State v. Nebraska. Is that fair? Or, or will Saturday be a new uh-oh? A lot of you were in the stands for 2017 where some of the dudes on the team wanted to go back inside the gates of Nebraska and head back to the locker room before kickoff. A lot of you remember 2016, 62-3. to Is Saturday a repeat of that just because of the sure talent difference? Could be. I mean, you, you want to talk about a team that's loaded on paper, even though they, they don't return a ton of starters? That snowball could be heavy and uh, looking for some people to harm if it gets going downhill. So how does Nebraska keep that giant snowball of Ohio State from, from squishing them, from running them over? Can you get out of Ohio State's way? Listen, it, it's it's a football game. It's an opener. It's going to be freaky crazy with, if you, ris- if you listen real close, you may be able to hear Urban Meyer between plays on set talking about lasagna recipes because no one's there. I'm anxious. I'm excited. Yes, for football, but I'm really intrigued to see what we get out of Nebraska football. So let's talk success. And and I, I do believe this with my whole heart. And this isn't just a Nebraska thing. This is an Ohio State thing with their edge, with their anger, and with their statement capability. They are going to try and go put up 60 to 70 points on everybody. Easier said than done, but that is their mindset. They're pissed about last year against Clemson. They're pissed at their stupid leadership in this conference. And they are taking no prisoners at all. They are going to try and embarrass. They are going to come out of the gates with the, 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 the pedal down. That's their want. And they are going to try and annihilate everybody because they are an angry football team. Because they almost didn't get a chance to go compete for a national championship. I've likened it to, think about Nebraska 94, if you didn't have a football team in 94 that tried and did finish business after what happened in 93, all right? That's kind of the same feelings going on in Columbus after last year's loss against uh, against Clemson, okay? I don't know what Ohio State and, and LSU would have been like, but Ohio State felt robbed that, that Clemson was there. So that that is the reality for the rest of the Big Ten. What what? And let's be honest, you're going to be keeping up with the Joneses if you're Ohio State. Impressions have been made. You've seen Alabama look a little teetery defensively and then get it right in the second half against Georgia. You've seen Clemson come out and just stomp and storm, and they just put up 73. They had fun last weekend against Georgia Tech. They pulled Trevor Lawrence, 
when he had 404 passing yards to match the area code of Clemson, South Carolina. They let the freaking punter play backup quarterback and complete passes. I haven't seen anything like that since the Buffs put in their uh, outside linebackers to play tight end against Kansas back in the day. So what is success on Saturday? This is success. Nebraska's offensive line is able to take steps forward from last year and run the freaking football, okay? Is that five a carry? Is that some rushing touchdowns? They're able to get good yards on first down. They're able to get yards on on short yardage situations. Adrian Martinez plays within the offense. It's as simple as that. The guy goes out and makes the simple play. I think a very real thing Saturday for from Adrian last year, trying to do too much at times, didn't have a lot of help around him. He forced a lot on top of being injured. So how does he react and 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 kind of find a groove with a run game and with a better offensive line to just kind of play within the system? How does, how does that work out for Nebraska offensively? And when Luke gets his snaps, and he will, because you're going to go into this game with a game plan, any chance to, to go Buster Douglas here, uh, and Nebraska is, is going to use Luke McCaffrey, and they're going to mix it up. They're going to have new wrinkles. They just will. They have to. They have to play unpredictably. Not be sloppy and crazy and careless and reckless, but you have to play with an era of unpredictability here with what you want to do with your system. Ohio State doesn't know what the hell you're going to do. They kind of think they do, but they don't have really an answer. They can watch a little bit of McCaffrey from last year, but it's a different offensive line. Everything is different in 2020. And, and the other side of this, too, is Justin Fields. He wants a Heisman. He wants to come out of the gate on fire does he try and do too much tim may talked about that with this yesterday he's a guy that's seen ohio state for a hundred years and if he brings it up that that is it's always a danger for great players you're told to be great and sometimes you go over that line of trying to do too much nebraska saw it last year with their quarterback play from time to time Nebraska saw it with their outside linebacker play uh, versus just doing your job. Does Adrian go do his job? And does Justin Fields stay in his lane as great as he is and take what's there defensively against the Nebraska defense? I think that's key. And the other thing when we talk about success, and you can put a point total on this thing, it can be 28, it can be 24. The Scott Frost offense, you've seen it be beautiful and brilliant against Minnesota, against Ohio State, down at Central Florida against Auburn. Can the offense move the football? Can Adrian get enough time to complete some passes? And can the run game put Adrian and this offense in second and doable, in third and very doable? I don't know because of who they're going up against and how good all these dudes are supposed to be on paper. 
All right. I know that the these the four out of the five starting returning offensive linemen could make the Saturday kickoff very long for Nebraska's front seven. They can line up and run the football. But I know that there's only four starters back defensively. I know Scott Frost can get a little creative with his offense. Got seven new guys making their first career start. Not not necessarily first career start, but Meaningful snaps with seven new starters. Go after it. They may not be as locked in as they need to be because it's been COVID 2020. So I think Nebraska can hang around, but Nebraska is going to need some breaks. Nebraska is going to need some turnovers. Nebraska is going to need Ohio State to play a sluggish, sluggish first 2020 game, and Nebraska is going to have to lean on their dudes. That are, that are very and vastly experienced on the offensive line and hope that their improvement and that group work on the O-line and Mills, the way he's, he finished the season, comes in and Nebraska can just go play football. The talent difference is real, and Ohio State may be able to just turn it on at whatever point they want, and, and again, here comes that giant snowball. So those are, those are some things. When I talk about success, Nebraska can still get worked by 20 to, to 24 to 28 points. But if that thing happens in the fourth quarter where there's some momentum plays that are very real in college football and it gets flipped around and you just get drowned, that isn't that didn't just a Nebraska problem. That's a Big Ten problem the rest of the 2020 football season with Ohio State. They're going to do that to people. They're going to they're gonna flip the switch and turn it on. And you saw it and felt it last week, second half of the uh, Georgia-Bama game. Some bad plays, flipped momentum, they were turnovers, and Alabama did their thing, right? I mean, that thing was 24-20, to and it ended up 41-24. And Georgia's a good football team. And so uh, success to me is Nebraska moves the football. Nebraska gains some confidence even in a loss. And Nebraska kind of sees, oh, yeah, there's Adrian Martinez. There's Luke McCaffrey. There's that offensive line. There's the run game. And there's dudes in the front seven that are doing their job every play. And ultimately, you got to make Ohio State earn this thing. And you're you're better against the run. Seems obvious, but that's my, like, bullet point list as we talk about what success is on Saturday. Are you are you, are you getting killed? Is Ohio State going to say, <laughs> yep, time to attack Nebraska's edges for a third straight year in the run game. Uh, Justin Fields has dropped back and uh, has performed four choruses of YMCA or one Mississippi, two Mississippi rush because he's had that much time to throw. Those are some of the little things that maybe you can see that help make you and paint you in a better light towards Nebraska 2020. And I think some of you think Nebraska is going to be okay this year. Four and four, five and four. They play better. They got to play better against Ohio State. They can still get beat. And you can still get beat 38-21 by a national championship team. But just scrap four quarters Move it on off. Move the football on offense and be better against the run. Those are just some early takes I have on on what I'm going to be looking for Saturday 
and probably reassessing Saturday with the Real Red Reaction show. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but it's, it's less to me, Nebraska playing well all four quarters. I, I want to see them make Ohio State work for it for four quarters. Right. Last year, Ohio State could take the foot off the gas after the second quarter. Two, uh, three years after, ago. After, after, the, after the option drive ended in an interception. Essentially, yeah. Done. Essentially, yeah. Ohio State could just go on cruise control for the rest of the game. I want to see Nebraska make Ohio State work for it. What's that going to take? I think it takes holding your own at the line of scrimmage. Whenever you have so many experienced offensive linemen coming back, you got to at least hold your own on that line of scrimmage and make that a stalemate because that Husker offense can keep you in it if you can do that. And that's all I want to see from Nebraska. Yeah, and I think I think you're you're not far. I think Nebraska's offense can keep. They can help Nebraska hang around in this. But again, that front seven man, defensively, <laughs> what are you going to get out of it? What are you going to get out of it? We're going to talk with Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity next. Uh, what's he want to learn Saturday? Great to be with you on Wednesday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome. Red Edwards coming up at 5. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're at Kincader Brewing Friday, 4 to 6. Roadshow Friday down in the Haymarket just south of the rail yard. Good folks from uh, Nebraska. Incredible beer. The Hale Varsity uh, beer that's now in cans. The Hale Ale is very tasty. couple of news and notes. You have Antonio Brown is eligible to play after week eight. The Seahawks making a push for Antonio Brown to sign him. Pat Chambers, don't call him Tom, uh, I guess is resigned from Penn State. He did a heck of a job at Penn State a couple of years ago, got him to the tournament. So that is interesting. We'll keep you posted. We say hi to Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famers, covered Nebraska football for many, many years, done it at uh, an unmatched level at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, let's talk about Saturday, bud. How are you? I'm doing okay, Smitty. Uh, yeah, Saturday, football. Man, Hard to believe. I hear the joy in your voice. It's in my <laughs> voice. Elijah's like, yeah, let's get some football. Elijah's got eye black on already. So He's ready to roll. He is, man. He's going to put on that Southeast jersey and, and go go block somebody. So we were talking about you know success on Saturday, and, and I hate because I think Nebraska fans really dislike the moral victory side of things as well. But there there is kind of a journey in progress here. Uh, with this frost era, that things aren't there, there's not been a, a a same starting point for him uh, with what he took over, and, and now it's year three. So let's see where the offense is at in year three. Let's talk success, and and I'm interested. What do you want to learn? What do you think you can learn on Saturday from about Nebraska? Well, you know, um, you guys broke it down pretty well, but I, the one thing I want to see how the uh, as you did, I want to see how the offensive line performs. Um, and, and you know, you've got uh, four returning starters and, and Bryce Benhart probably. Um, let's see how that offensive line goes. That's that's important. And I and I think the the, the key thing I, I want out of the Ohio State game is uh, for Nebraska not to beat itself, not to make mistakes, not to turn the ball over, um, to play. Uh, mistake-free football, and uh, if you come away from that, having done that, 
and and the offensive line just performs well, and and you perform well the same way defensive line. Uh, you've got to start up front on both sides of the ball. Um, I think you can feel good about what Nebraska does, um, regardless of what the outcome is, because I don't see Nebraska going into Columbus and and beating Ohio State. Um, it's an Ohio State team that uh, really has a lot. On the line. I mean, Ohio State's in the discussion for the playoffs, and uh, even though it's getting a late start on the season, uh, I think uh, Ohio State is going to be prepared to to make that run, try to make that run. So, um, guys, uh, what I want out of Nebraska is sound play. Um, get the best out of what you've got, and don't uh, don't hurt yourself, and and uh, see where that leads. Mike Badcock's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. You're right on it. Don't don't beat yourself. Don't have brutal penalties. Don't just put yourself in a in a disadvantaged situation. And that's happened in some of the bigger games. When we talk about, you know, think of the Iowa losses, right? Where there's been penalties and missteps and in the turnovers uh, in, against some of the big name teams. They don't. Ohio State, Penn State. I mean, go down the list of the who's who in the in the big uh, Michigan, right? I mean, the first kind of big road game for Frost uh, in in season one. I mean, you know how that thing started. Uh, very short order, three four plays in after a thirty yard gain by Stan. It's a, it's a tip ball and interception, right? So. When it comes to unpredictability here or new wrinkles or the McCaffrey factor, I think Scott can get really, really creative, and and I think that can, can kind of help keep your offense hanging in. And is that something you think we see? Yeah, I think we see McCaffrey, but let's talk about just the, the, the scope of how, uh, how much you may junk it up to keep Ohio State off balance. Well, you know, I I think you can you can do some things like what, what you're suggesting here. Um, you know, there's some trickery or whatever you you can employ, but you, you have to be fundamentally sound first. That, that's to me that's the first most important thing is to be fundamentally sound. If you're fundamentally sound, then you can do some of this some of these things, and and it will benefit you. But you know, if you go into the game thinking, you know, well. We're just going to do things that are just off the wall, um, and you're not fundamentally sound. Um, I, I just don't think it's going to work. And and the, as you indicated too, you know, I said turnovers, penalties, the same thing. You, you've got to avoid those. You've got to avoid those. But uh, the fundamentals of it are the important thing, and then you can build off that um, because if you got the team the opposition thinking in terms of what you do fundamentally well, um, then the things that you do that are out of the ordinary are going to be more, more potentially more successful. Chatting with Mike Babcock here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Mike, if the Huskers are going to hang with Ohio State on Saturday, which side of the ball do you think is going to have to step up? Is it going to be the defense slowing down that, that powerful Ohio State attack led by Justin Fields, or is it going to be the offense uh, scoring enough points just to, to keep with that attack? Well, I think there's probably uh, more pressure on the defense because now Justin Fields, he threw for 41 touchdowns last year with three interceptions. Is that right? That, that's the ratio. 
I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, how do you deal with that? And then he's, he's mobile on top of that. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the defense because, you know, again, you've got offensive line, you've got, you've got five returning starters and four of them are probably going to start um, with, with a young guy in there. And you've got an experienced quarterback, a veteran quarterback who is now, I think, healthy compared to what he, he played last year. He was less than 100%. Um, and you've got a committed uh, uh, running back in, in uh, Dedrick Mills. Um, and, you know, what we know what Wandale can do. Uh, and, I, you know, I like the consistency of, of Cade Warner, and he's healthy. Um uh, so I think the pressure is probably going to be on the on the defense um, to try to stop that to try to stop that Ohio State offense. And there's additional pressure on the defense because if Nebraska plays the way Scott would like with that up tempo offense, move you know quickly, um, the defense can be on the field a lot anyway. Uh, so th- so there's more pressure. There's the pressure. I think. I, th- I think you're right and. I look at Nebraska, they can play loose, they can play fun and free because of, of just, I mean, they, they, they can't be sloppy or, or not attention to detail, but you can go play free. I mean, the target isn't on you. Now, I want to flip it around and, and look at Ohio State and, and just kind of their anger with the situation they're in, and they want to take it out on some people. I know Penn State is looming, Maybe we're too soon to get into this discussion, but you know what's the respect level like from Ohio State towards Nebraska, specifically the way the last several games have gone? With Penn State, your de facto Big Ten East championship game waiting for you on Halloween. Well, you know, that I think from Nebraska's point of view and the way Nebraska has to approach it, and I, I would assume that Ohio State's going to have to approach things the same way, Particularly if you want to be a playoff team, is it's got to be week to week. I mean, you you know, and that's one of the things that I that I always that I saw with with Tom Osborne. Um, it was we it was week to week. You know, never mind what the, what the next one is going to be. This is the one that you have to focus on. I if if Ohio State is to be a legitimate contender to get into a playoff situation, I think you have to have that mentality that it's this week it's Nebraska will be concerned about Penn State next week because, we, you know, we've seen already in this college football season, we've seen how bizarre it has been. Um, we've seen good teams uh, go down, uh, get upset, uh, and I think there was an element of that. You know, maybe there's an element of that. Maybe it's just the pandemic and the changes in, in the way you have to approach things. But we've seen some unusual upsets, I think. And uh, we're going to see some more of those things. And I, you know, I think except for Clemson, I mean, Clemson puts up seventy-three on South Carolina, and it doesn't seem like anybody's going to stop uh, Clemson. But um, you've got to be week to week. You've got to pay attention to what's at hand. And uh, you know, maybe that's difficult with Penn State coming up. But I think that a that a, an Ohio State team that wants to be in the playoffs. Um, has to be a week-to-week uh, approach to things. You can't look beyond uh, your next opponent. Mike Babcock's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, we'll get you out of here on this. What do we see from Adrian on Saturday? He's got to have help. He can't press. Uh, 
and tell me, give me a prediction here uh, with with the type of game you think he can have. Well, I you know I think the maturity of the third the third season, and I think that, you know it, it's he's the he's the starter, he's the guy, and I, you know I've seen some people say he's going to be on a short leash. I don't I don't believe that. I think that he. I think the coaches have confidence in him, and he has the experience, and and that's not to diminish anything as far as Luke McCaffrey. I'm a I'm a big McCaffrey guy. I mean, I think what a talented guy, but it's remarkable to have two guys in that in a situation like this. But uh, you know, I look for a, for a good performance from from uh, Adrian. But like you said, it depends on the guys around him whether that's going to be uh, whether it's going to really look good or whether it's not going to look so good. Um, if, if if what's happening around him is is uh, he's under a lot of pressure, uh, he doesn't have time to look for his receivers and so forth, um, then that's going to be it. But I you know I look for him to to play a fundamentally sound game. Um, he has the experience and he has the ability. Um, now can he get some help from from the rest of the, the guys around him? Help's going to be key. Can't wait for Saturday, eleven o'clock kick. Of course, uh, pregame. And uh, pre-show with Hale Varsity Weekend, a Real Red Reaction following Mike Babcock uh, with us here on Hale Varsity Radio uh, at MD Babs on Twitter. And can find Mike, his amazing work, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Babbers, we'll, we'll talk uh, soon. We'll talk Friday with the tailgate, brother. And thanks so much for jumping in. Hey, great talking to you. Uh, we didn't think there was a coming, but here it is. All right. That is awesome. All right. Good stuff from Mike Babcock. We'll uh, talk with Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge. Shuey might be wearing a stocking hat, but we'll still get into uh, some golf and some football. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. My, my Friday partner last week was Mike Shuart. We are out on the deck at Wilderness Ridge. Amazing fall day. Way better than this garbage weather-wise today. We say hi to Shuey. Out at Wilderness. Shuey, you rocking a stocking cap? You doing okay? Oh, yeah. I'm a little cold. I liked the, <laughs> I liked the weather a couple of weeks ago. A lot better than this. You and me both. Uh, listen, it's, uh, it's great to spend some time with you. Elijah and I always do a, a steak and a beer bet on Friday. Uh, that's been going very well in, in my favor. <laughs> but uh, let's, let's have a little fun here for Nebraska-Ohio State. And uh, let's let's find something to to, to wager on, and um, you want to you want to do over under uh, twenty seven points scored by Nebraska. Over. So you think Nebraska scores more than twenty seven? Oh yeah. Okay, I will t- I will take the under. <laughs> and that didn't take too long. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, total yards by Adrian Martinez. Let's say. Uh, 280. Mm, under. Okay. And uh, I think I think that's an under as well. This isn't. I'm not just handing out wins to Shuey here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, how many? How many? What, what's the? What's the? What, what's what's the most points? And we'll ask Brad Edwards this too. What, what's kind of the ceiling here? What's danger zone? For Ohio State, what's the point total that they can't? What, what's that ceiling they can't break through? Mid thirties. Well, yeah, they can't. For us to have a chance, obviously they can't. So it's like you got to keep them. 
Below 40. Below 40 says Shuey. I don't think that happens. Do you? Uh, I'm, I'm banking that it's going to happen because I think they're going to have some turnovers and some special teams blunders. Really? So you think, you think Ohio State will be a bit sloppy? I do. So Shuey says take the points, babe, and, and run, with, uh, <laughs> run with the Huskers to cover. You're excited about football. You love it. And, you know, do you think Nebraska's – what do you think their minds – you've coached a lot of kids, and you've coached a lot of college athletes, and you work with the Divot Dogs, so you're shaping young minds. Uh, and you hear the, the Frost mantra, no fe- fear of failure. Uh, is that something that by year three you think has sunk in? Is, is this squad – intimidated is nebraska intimidated uh going in i'm asking you to to be a a, a psychoanalyst here forgive me no i don't think so that's why playing them first is an advantage because it hasn't really been able to set in a little bit a couple things one is if they're really good you know they've been able to kind of work things out do what they do and kind of dominate people. So you haven't seen that aspect of it. We, if we're not good or we're really good, we obviously think we're pretty good right now. And if we're not nearly as good as we think we are, well, we haven't proven that yet. So these kids are going in thinking that they have a chance. They're every bit as good. So because they haven't any, they haven't done anything and haven't been shown yet that they're not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think if things fall right, you know, they, they they can maintain a little of that confidence. They get a turnover here. They make some plays here. They can run the ball. It's like, hey, you know what? That just builds their confidence. You know, so it's like hopefully that's what I'm hoping happens anyway. You know, obviously they're Ohio State's more talented team than we are on paper, but there's a lot of things that happen off paper that give you a chance to win. Love it. There we go. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And uh, Shuey joins us every Wednesday at 440. Shuey, I want to get into uh, to the match. You've got Chuckster, Charles Barkley, and Steph Curry. They're stepping in for, for Tiger and, and Tom Brady. You've got Phil and Peyton. And, and this will be happening uh, on, on the Saturday after – is it Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving? I think it's the – Saturday. Saturday, yeah, the, 20, yeah. the 27th. So – uh, you got Nebraska and Iowa, and then the following day you'll you'll have uh, Chuck, who's just fantastic, great personality. <laughs> uh, Steph, who's clearly healed from his wrist injury, to be participating, and then Peyton and Phil. Do you love this matchup? I know we talked about those are the two names that we were interested in seeing, but yeah. how do you think how do you think this thing shapes up? Are you pretty excited about it? Yeah, we called that. Man, last we year, did. right after I, the I, match was over, we I think called we did. It. That's how good we are. We called that. Well, I'm going to say you. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you, Shuey. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's way more entertaining because of the personalities that are playing in it, what they're capable of doing or not capable of doing. Mm-hmm. You know, Chuck, obviously, is going to be the entertainment of it, just watching him swing. <laughs> Steph Curry's a really good player. You know, he's better than the other two that they had in there, you know. So it's like, and Phil's always Phil. Phil's always, he's a little bit of a gambler, jokester. And then you have Peyton back in there. So I, I, I look for it to be super entertaining. 
There's going to be some crazy shots hit. So I, I pity, you know, Chuck's partner because he's not going to be much help. <laughs> do you think they'll stick? <laughs> do you think they'll stick Phil and Chuck together? They have to. Man, they can't put anybody else. I mean, Phil is the one that's got to carry somebody because Chuck ain't going to do nothing. Good luck. Other than hit hit people, chunk shots. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, in, in terms of worst golf shots you've ever seen, where does Charles Barkley rate? He's up there, boy. He's got some nasty ones. So you better keep your head on a swivel because you never know where it's going to go. So, You know, but, but I mean, Chuck used to be okay until he, he, he whacked somebody off the box. Yeah, and then he got the little swing yippies, and those are, man, those are hard to get rid of, obviously, because he hasn't got rid of them in I don't know how many years. So he still tries, though. I give him credit for that. Shuey, I want to end with this, and Mike Shuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Uh, Shuey does awesome work, lessons. Of course, Wilderness is just beautiful and phenomenal. Still a couple of days to sneak out. Uh, probably uh, well, tomorrow, the weather looks uh, yeah. money. Uh, and, of course, the Divot Dogs, you're working with the young, uh, the golf program that, that you're just great with. So interesting story on Aaron Rodgers here, just his quirky personality, all right, that ESPN has up. And Aaron Rodgers is a karaoke guy, a trivia guy, likes his frat parties, has inner weirdness. <laughs> Got about 45 seconds. Who's, the, who's the, like the quirkiest personality that you've been around in golf? Quirkiest personality. There's some weird dudes out there. A guy named Frank Licklider. Okay. He used to drive around from tournament to tournament in his Hummer, all decked out in camo. So, I mean, he was a weird guy. And we used to share books on tape because we mm-hmm. drove around a lot. And then he stole all my books on tape. Oh, no. Never gave them back. Yeah. And then claims he never did. So it's like, no, I know you did. I gave him to you. So he's a little weird. So you have the books on tape and, and the camo Hummer that yeah, were just that? warning signs. That's pretty good. <laughs> Got a great story about Aaron Rodgers uh, okay. on the golf course. We'll have to get in that probably next segment. That'll be but. good. Shuey, you uh, be good. Enjoy the, the weather tomorrow, and we'll see you soon, all right? All right. Look forward to it. Appreciate you, man. All right. You too. Mike Shuart with with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Go see Shuey. Get fit and uh, get those lessons in. You got a little one that wants to to be great at golf. Go see Shuey. We'll wind down Hour 1. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Brad Edwards coming up. College football thoughts. Nebraska, Ohio State. Jacob Padilla on the way. Reminder about West Blue Realty. You want a residential home in Lincoln and the surrounding community? West Blue Realty can take care of you. WestBlueRealty.com. Got to give your friends Tom Luby and Kelly Hofschneider a shout. Dial up Tom today at 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider, Kelly can help out too at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. You mentioned Hale Varsity. And uh, they can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Get an appointment today to see Tom and or Kelly, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So, you were telling me about Aaron Rodgers. And uh, good story here on ESPN.com just about how quirky. And you've heard that. Like, Aaron's not close, nor are there Christmas cards or holiday 
cheers exchange. It doesn't sound like with Aaron and his family. I know. Is he married to or just dating Danica Patrick? I forget. I think that's his gal. Just dating? Do you want me to check? No, you're good. But what were you going to tell me about him on the golf, other than he's really good at well, golf? I, I had this friend who, uh, he caddies at this golf course up in uh, Chicago, been doing it for years now. I'm not sure if he still does it, but he used to go back uh, in the summers. Is his name Danny? It is not. Um, but anyway, Bo Jackson does his little celebrity golf tournament there every single year. Yeah. So he, he gets a chance to rub some shoulders with some famous people. He's got some some good stories, actually. One, uh, he like, saw Tiger Woods, and Tiger Woods refused to give him an autograph. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but one day he was uh, caddying for Santonio Holmes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was shot and maimed himself in the leg. Yes. Great, great wine out from Ohio State. Y- yes, anyway. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Anyway, this in their same uh, group is Aaron Rodgers. Okay. And uh, he wasn't personally catting for Aaron Rodgers, but they're in the same group. Mm-hmm. And, and they get to one of the uh, the greens, and uh, all the golf bags are sitting there on the edge of the green, and he accidentally backs up into Aaron Rodgers' golf bag and knocks it down into a bunker. <laughs> and he was like... With his Bears sweatshirt on. Yeah, he was like 13, 14 years old at the time, and apparently Aaron Rodgers was just a complete ass to him the rest of the day. Every single time he got like a new club out of his bag, he was like giving the uh, my friend a stare and like kind of giving him a glare and making some comment. <laughs> was he about, joking or no? Uh, or apparently, he was, was like as a thirteen-year-old, he did not feel any humor in it. Well, <laughs> you felt bad. You think you were going to get fired? Mm-hmm. But they were going to make yeah. you give the club, you know, t-shirt back. Yeah, but apparently, every single time he went and got a club, he went, ah, "I wish this club wasn't so sandy." You would glare over at him. <laughs> it's one thing to be, like mess with a thirteen-year-old that way and give him the side eye. It's another thing to, like, make the dude cry. Uh, it, it was somewhere in between, from what I've heard. Well, I'll just say that. Don't run his clubs over. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I'm, I, I, I empathize with Aaron Rodgers, but also whenever you have a 13-year-old who's starstruck, a little, little tough. Yeah. But uh, it's you not- to screen the caddies better. I mean, it's not out of character for Aaron Rodgers, though. Well, he's just kind of a quiet, weird dude. I mean, I'll hear him on McAfee and pretty normal. I mean- I don't know. I, I got to talk to some folks in a little further detail at some point in my life that are close with Aaron. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's fun. He did me a solid, you know, no fantasy points and <laughs> propelled me to another stake in a beer bet. Win <laughs> over Elijah Herbal. I, I'll, I'm undefeated in fantasy, so if I go winless in the stake in beer bets, I'll, I'll take solace in the fact that I am good at fantasy this year. <laughs> good work. Brad Edwards, get his take on Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and uh, the Big Ten as it gets rolling. Jacob Padilla next hour. His confidence ranking with position groups for Nebraska football. Now we're two on the way with Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Power 2, great to be back with you. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, ESPN Insider, part of College Game Day. We say hi to Brad Edwards, at Edwards on Twitter. The wait is almost over, Brad. It's uh, Nebraska, it's Ohio State. I'm sure that's uh, a top three game for you. I, I don't know if I'm kidding, but I, I'm anxious about it, man. How are you doing? 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. I have to admit it's more to see what Ohio State looks like than it is Nebraska on my end. But um, I, I'm just looking forward to, one, there being more games played uh, with two conferences coming back this weekend. And then, uh, obviously, with the Big Ten being one of them, we've got more top 25 teams. And I, I was looking at the schedule for Saturday. The first two windows of games um, are are really good. Actually, it's actually the night that is that's a little bit lacking mm-hmm. in in quality as far as the games go. Uh, but yeah, the, those first two windows, and especially that that noon Eastern, eleven Central window. Um, I remember some years recently with my show being on the air mm-hmm. during those games where it was just there was nothing to talk about. And and this Saturday, <laughs> man, they're they're probably six or seven games going on at that time that I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah, I can't wait to, to see uh, around the college football world a really good slate in the Big Ten. And uh, I want to start off with Nebraska. I know you're going to be looking at Ohio State and where are they going to be at out of the gate because you've, you've got that kind of keeping up with the Joneses playoff picture discussion with Alabama and Clemson and then Ohio State's part of that discussion. They've just had to wait longer than everybody. So when we when we look at Ohio State, what what are you specific, specifically interested in seeing with the Buckeyes out of the gate? And then let's flip it over to Nebraska as well. What what's what kind of deems a good showing for you with Nebraska? Because you know the build is continuing here. It's year three, and it's a tough opener for for Nebraska. So let's look at both sides. Uh, uh, of the field here with Nebraska and Ohio State as we look at, at 11 o'clock uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we're looking for with Ohio State is do they look like they're about as good as they were last year, uh, you know, at least in that ballpark? Because what we've seen so far from the, the three power conferences that have played is that Clemson and Alabama just seem to be a notch above everyone else, which isn't a shock. That was kind of what we were expecting coming in. But you know, Alabama just kind of validated that last weekend against Georgia, and I think you can look around at the rest of the ACC and see that there, there's no threat to Clemson. So the question is, can you just pencil the two of them into the championship game, or is there a, a third contender out there? And we all suspect that that's what Ohio State is. And uh, so, uh, look, I, I know that um, if you watched those games last Saturday, you, you probably looked at Clemson and Alabama's offenses and said, how can anyone – stop those two teams. Well, I think Ohio State's going to be every bit as good as those two offensively. And so that's the question that everyone in the Big Ten is going to continue to ask. They were obviously asking it all of last season as well. How can you stop that? And and the answer is you you can't. <laughs> you, you just have to have an offense that can score with it. And and then, you know, hopefully you get in a track meet and you get a few service breaks and that's how you win. So that's really, you know, the first thing is, is how good does the offense look? And of course, they have a bunch of guys to replace on defense, and so the question is, are they going to look more like Clemson on defense, which is a team that's pretty similar to the level of dominance it had last year, or are they going to look more like Alabama on defense, where you would say, okay, you know what? If they run into the wrong team in a week when they turn the ball over three times, then maybe they could get upset. So that, that's, really, that's really what we're looking for with the Buckeyes. And then, you know, with Nebraska, obviously, if they can keep it close, it's going to get people more interested in their games the rest of the way. I don't think anybody's going to hold it against them if they get blown out. Um, but, you know, the, the biggest news item nationally has been the quarterback 
uh, situation and the fact that there there is apparently a legitimate race there or competition. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see if both guys play in this game. And if so, how do they look? And then, you know, moving forward, what does that mean for the Big Ten West? Because uh, it, it, as much as FPI loves Wisconsin, I mean, FPI – Wisconsin is a bigger favorite in the West than Ohio State is in the East. Mm. Um, I seem to think that's a little bit off, but uh, I've yet to hear any person who covers the Big Ten talk about the Big Ten West and believe that it's hands down Wisconsin. No questions asked. So, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what Nebraska has and whether you know whether they might have enough firepower to throw their name into that hat. It's open. You have. Minnesota that that got back to full strength, but we'll see who's actually playing uh, for them on on Saturday as they open up. They host Michigan, which will be really cool because, you know, Minnesota was a really fun team last year and they had a tough finish, but they they won their bowl game at 11 and 2 is something you, you just never sneeze at out of a West team, let alone a, a team named Minnesota. I think the quarterback yeah. situation's funky at Wisconsin with the injury, but the Badgers should reload defensively. I think they return, so it's really not even a reload. But offensive line-wise, and, and Jonathan Taylor's not there going for 200 a game. So, you know, what are they like? But things don't really fall off with Barry Alvarez and, and Coach Christ. Minnesota's a question mark. Iowa's, I think, really good on the lines of scrimmage. But it just kind of gets into the scheduling side of things. Who's got a, a more favorable but crossover? Purdue has the schedule, right? Yeah. Pardon, pardon me? I said Purdue has the schedule. They, they have the schedule, and I think Minnesota, um, of the teams, uh, probably, I know they have a, a tougher crossover with, with Michigan, but at least it's, and I know it's a home game, which doesn't mean much in 2020, but uh, I think Wisconsin and Iowa have some tough road travels because I think Wisconsin's got to go to Michigan this year so I think Minnesota could could maybe survive best but but we'll see I think their offense with Morgan and the wideouts are pretty impressive in their run game so I think Minnesota's maybe a lean by by some folks but I you know if Nebraska can get some confidence and hang around uh, despite the way they open up it'll be interesting to see where Nebraska can go if they can somehow find a way to two and two after four games that's a big ask yeah, I, I think what's really going to be fun to see with the Big Ten is whether it kind of follows the pattern of, of the other conferences that have already been playing in that, you know, you, you have the elite teams which have, you know, pretty much looked like you expected them to. But then the rest of the league, it's I mean, it might as well just be the NFL as far as who knows who's going to win in a given day. And, uh, and, and that's fun because college football is not always like that. And, uh, you know, I, 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 think, I think you're getting some of that in, in the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 where some of those teams that are usually like the second tier, mm-hmm. not, not quite playoff caliber, have kind of come back to the pack this year. And so uh, um, it's made things interesting. So I don't know if you'll see that from, you know, Penn State and Wisconsin, whether they won't quite be as good as advertised. But like you said, they're – there are reasons to believe that could happen um, with with the, the guys that Wisconsin has to replace and the injury at quarterback, and then obviously Penn State. Um, you know, since the the summer has lost arguably its best player on each side of the ball. Um, so uh, maybe not its most important player, but you could make you could some people would make the argument that Journey Brown was their most uh, what was their most talented player on the offensive side. So. 
Um, that's a big hit for them. And, of course, it's the same thing that happened in the, in the SEC and the ACC, which is the team that really could have most afforded to lose some players and still be really good is the team that didn't lose any. <laughs> you know, so, so Ohio State had two opt-outs. They got both of them back. Alabama and Clemson never had a single guy opt-out. So, uh, you know, the rich kind of get richer. And, uh, but for the rest of them, um, it should be a pretty fun competitive season. Talking with Brad Edwards here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brad, aside from Nebraska, Ohio State, which of the other Big Ten games do you think are, are most intriguing on Saturday? I know I personally look at that uh, that Michigan and Minnesota matchup uh, Saturday night. That one should be a good one. But which of the other games you're watching for and why? Yeah, I think I think whenever you get Michigan as an underdog to Minnesota, I mean, just because of the names. Like if you watched teams play last year, that's not a surprise that they would be a small dog in the game. Um, but it is one of those things that when you see it on paper, if you've been watching college football for 20 years or more, it kind of like strikes you as, wow, that's, that's weird. Um, can, can that be right? You know? And, and so, so I think it'll, it'll be fun to see. And we know, we know that, uh, you know, for, for every game that Michigan loses, those Jim Harbaugh questions are going to start to circulate some more. And so, um, Michigan is always going to be interesting because of that. But I think the game that, that maybe is the most intriguing to me, because it's maybe the most dangerous for, for one of the, of the top teams is, is Penn State-Indiana. Mm. You know, because Indiana has always been one of those teams that's just very sneakily better than people think. And uh, I know, uh, I know our, our FBI has Indiana as a, I believe, just inside the top 25, like, like that caliber team. Whether they're quite that good, I don't know. But they've, you know, they've they've been so close for quite a while. You know, like the, like there a lot of the, the teams in the the Penn State, Michigan, you know, type caliber that Indiana gives them games. They just usually find a way to lose. And so uh, I think this is a really scary game if you're Penn State and you've got Ohio State the following week, and you want to look ahead to that game. Your fans are already looking ahead to that game. But but um, you don't have a lot of margin for error against Indiana, and so uh, that that's the game that I think could end up being the most interesting in the Big Ten on Saturday. I think you're right on because Indiana's scoring points. They play pretty good defense under Coach Allen. They they won eight games last year, and even you know when Kevin Wilson, who's you know Ohio State's OC. I, doing some research, like, oh yeah, Kevin Wilson's there to to go spread offense and score fifty on everybody with Justin Fields pulling the trigger. You know, I, I that's one thing Indiana didn't have when he was there. They had NFL dudes and they could score forty points, and they did a couple of times against Ohio State, but they couldn't stop anybody. They're a little bit more complimentary football now with offense and defense. So, I think you're right on. That's that's a, that's an upset alert potentially for Penn State specifically with the look ahead. I want to get into a couple of quarterback questions uh, with Trevor Lawrence, and and I I saw a couple of NFL guys chime in. Brad, do you think Trevor Lawrence would would come back? And I ask that because of who might be picking him. He's having a, a great time at Clemson. He's been incredible. He's got great support around him. And this is, you know, the, the old pause button's been hit on eligibility, not that he's only, a, you know, a, a junior anyway. So any way you think he, you know, it could be that 80-year, you know, 80-year quarterback that it seems like your rival always had. Uh, and, and I'm wondering that because, I don't know, man, uh, do you want to go play for a, potentially a, a really bad team uh, in the Big Apple next year? 
Yeah, you know, I think we're probably too too soon. soon. Okay. Um, you know, we we'll probably have the benefit of knowing who's going to have the first pick in the draft by the time um, he has to make that declaration. And and who knows? Maybe it is an issue by the time that arrives. But it really is hard to imagine him kind of coming back for one more year. You know, because uh, I know it's, it's not unprecedented. We we saw uh, Peyton Manning mm-hmm. do it. Um, when uh, he was perfectly, and the, and the one thing about about Trevor Lawrence is that I, I know it's football, okay, and anything can happen, but he's not going to get hit that much playing in the ACC. I, I, I know, I, I know, fluky things <laughs> wow. can still happen where you know you let you you, you let a ball go and a guy just kind of rolls into your ankle after after the pass or whatever, where you weren't really pressured but you still get hit. Um, but but compared to compared to most guys. You know, he, he's not taking a lot of hits. Uh, most of the hits he does take when he actually decides to run the ball. So, um, from that standpoint, I, I can see where where health might not be a major concern of his um, as far as you know, as far as an injury. But um, but still, I don't know. I mean, it's just he, he put in his three years, and that, mm-hmm. look, I, I think I think you'll have a good idea um, based on the way that Dabo uh, seems to be treating it down the stretch. Like, I think, I think everyone's assuming it's his last year and, and therefore probably his last chance at the Heisman Trophy. And w- what they did last week, the way that they let him throw in a game that was against a completely overmatched opponent in Georgia Tech, and they don't normally do that. I mean, they win by a lot of big scores, but they usually don't have him go out and throw that much against a team that they know that that you know that, that they're already pounding and that, that the team can't offer any resistance. But um, I just wonder: is Dabo is Dabo trying to get him that Heisman push because he wants him to get that trophy and at the very least get invited to New York? Remember, he didn't even get invited last year. That's nuts because he had the slow start to the season, and there were just so many other guys who had big big years and all that. So um, I don't know. I, I, I just have a feeling, unless he just completely got snubbed from a Heisman standpoint, I don't know what else would be out there that would bring him back. Brad, less than a minute left here, uh, but really quickly, I want to get your thoughts on another quarterback who's almost assuredly going to be off the board pretty quickly uh, come this uh, next spring in the NFL draft, and that's Trey Lance. He only played in that one game this year for North Dakota State. Do you think that hurts his chances of going early in the first round? Uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly hurts your chances the, the less the teams have been able to see you. I mean, remember, he you know hadn't really played that much before, just, just really one year. So, um, and, and, of course, the level of competition is always going to be a question. Uh, I don't think there's any, uh, anyone doubting whether he has the size and the strength for it. Um, but, you know, the accuracy, I think, is something – I mean, sure, he, he's thrown, what, one pick? Um, but um, – that is more than that when it comes to accuracy. It's being able to put you know throws into tight windows consistently, like you can see in the NFL. And I, I don't know how much of that you'd really be able to prove at the FCS level anyway. Um, but um, he's certainly not going to get a chance to do it. So who knows? I mean, every year um, there are guys who you know seem like they're a little bit of a of a reach, maybe based on what we know about them. But but that that position just has so much value in the NFL that a lot of teams are willing to take the chance, and he, he certainly is a guy who looks the part. Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider. Brad, we'll chat next week. Thanks for the time today. All right, guys. Take care. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Back to it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's bring in Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, uh, excited for football to get here, and uh, I tell you what, uh, intrigued by Saturday. Really enjoyed your story on HaleVarsity.com with your confidence rankings. It's been a it's been a crazy off season and uh, crazier camp when it comes to just how much takeaway there is uh, from your uh, from your your. In- Intel and and also just knowing sports like you do, Jacob. What's uh, what have you been able to glean for Nebraska as we head into Saturday? And just what are what are some some of your your, your broad ranging thoughts on on what twenty twenty can look like and be for Nebraska? Yeah, I think uh, the most exciting thing about the season finally getting here for me is the fact that I don't have to write about the off season anymore and the preseason and all the things that we've been writing for the last ten months now. Um, I'm pretty much all tapped out on this. <laughs> Um, now I need to see some live football here so we can start kind of coming up with new thoughts and getting answers to our questions and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's beyond actually having something to, to cover. Like that is the biggest thing for me about football being back. So very excited about that. Um, hopefully we can pull this season off uh, with minimal disruptions and everybody's safe and everything. This preseason has been interesting. Um, obviously we don't normally get a lot of access to practices and all that, but we get some. We kind of get uh, some insight into who's playing where and what some of the units look like and who's doing well. And we, we've had none of that this year, obviously. Um, so we've had to rely pretty much entirely on the coaches. And you kind of have to really listen to the question, listen to the way they're answered, try to figure out, all right, who's being brought up unprompted? Who are they answering just because they're asked directly about? And kind of who, who are they not talking about? It's all that stuff you've got to have to kind of take into account because everybody goes in with an idea of, all right, this is what it's going to look like. This is where these guys are going to play all right, this guy will be an upgrade here and all that kind of stuff. But until they actually get out on the field, um, all that is just kind of speculation. And that's kind of uh, the the genesis for my story, kind of the call of the day is leading into this weekend. All right, based on everything we've heard throughout this preseason, here's how I feel about all these different positions. And there are some that I am uh, lower on than I was going to do the – into the fall camp, the delayed fall camp and everything. And there are some others that uh, you kind of feel a little bit better about. And um, that's kind of – now we get to see, all right, were those feelings justified or not coming up this weekend? Substance will be great and can take uh, a, a big dose of that Saturday and, and beyond. And also got to consider who's on the field with Nebraska and, and that's – my mind's really open and it's not to, to make – too quick a judgments nor overreact right for for what saturday is because it's no one's really looked uh three games ready for conference play uh with this uh this uh jacked up 2020 jacob padilla is with us hailvarsity.com and magazine talking nebraska football so when we talk about your your confidence rankings you go from least confident to most confident specifically not to spoil the column because folks need to read it but who are a couple of position groups that maybe you're not as high on as as you were and and who are a couple of position groups and they may be one and the same that you think may start off a little sluggish but man they could round into 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 some good form 
Yeah, I think uh, the answer to both those questions is the wide receiver group. And I think a lot of us were expecting uh, strides forward on offense this year, even with what they lost from last year's team, in part because we like the way that wide receiver room looks now and how they were able to kind of flip it. And Because um, I talk about this a lot, but a big problem last year with Nebraska's offense is they basically played nothing but slot wide receivers. And they had short, fast guys all over the field, but guys that weren't really able to get open consistently in the positions they were playing and guys that um, Adrian Martinez was struggling to find outside of J.D. Spielman and Wandale Robinson to some degree. So you, you thought coming in, some of the guys they brought in were guys like um, Omar Manning is obviously the big one, but Xavier Betts and Elante Brown and all these guys, you add those guys to the mix, now you've got some different size wide receivers and different skill sets uh, to go with a, a talented slot receiver in Wandale Robinson, who you expect to play more wide out this year, as opposed to playing in the backfield as much as he did last year. So uh, I really liked the way that looked on paper, and I thought that would help a guy like Adrian Martinez have a bounce back year and be more effective through the pass because he has different kinds uh, of receivers that he can go to. And the problem is we a lot of those guys that we thought – um, would make a difference this year. Those aren't the guys that the coaches are bringing up. We're hearing a lot of the, we're hearing the names of a lot of walk-ons and a guy like Levi Falk, grad transferring from South Dakota, keeps popping up. And uh, Wyatt Lever, who's been in the program a couple of years, out of O'Neill, a walk-on. And obviously, Cade Warner was placed on scholarship, but he's, just, he's been on a he's been a walk-on the last couple of years. And as reliable as he is, he's not exactly a dynamic threat, or at least hasn't proven to be to this point in his career. So you, you kind of that, – that, and a guy like Alante Brown, in addition to Omar Manning and guys like that have been kind of in and out of practice uh, with, with injuries here and there. You know, that's never a good sign to hear. So that whole picture um, is just uh, a little bit uh, worrisome to me, especially going up against a team like Ohio State, who's always going to have athletes uh, out there in the secondary. So is Nebraska going to be able to – uh, have enough talent out there at wideout in this game to keep the defense honest and spread things out and allow uh, Dedrick Mills to be effective in the run game, or are they going to have guys that are going to get locked up and allow Ohio State to put a safety or two in the box and make things tough? So that that's right now. Um, I don't love what I heard about that position heading into preseason, but all those guys are still on the team right now, and I, I think – and some of them are freshmen, and a lot of them are newcomers. So they've got a chance to kind of figure things out and get healthy and really learn the playbook and learn the trust of the quarterback and the coaches. And I think we could still see a dynamic group of pass catchers down the line, but I'm just worried about what that looks like heading into Ohio State. You know, it might be soon to ask him to, to be – I don't know, all Big Ten good <laughs> for, in, in game one. Jacob Padilla is with us. What, where, where, are you at, where are you at with Chris Hickman, his role, and you know, what could he do for the, the offense with, with his size and skill set? Because he's big and he's physical and he's fast. Yeah, that's another guy that um, you kind of expected to be part of that mix, and we haven't really heard a ton about him either. Um, he's not a guy that the coach has really brought up on did. So that's one where I'm not quite sure where he falls into the mix. But um, I think one thing we do know is they like him as a blocker uh, based on kind of the usage we saw for him last year where they kind of put him in some different spots, uh, put him in the backfield a little bit to um, kind of lead the way, uh, put him kind of in line, split him out wide. 
Um, so I think he's a guy that will be in that mix. Obviously, the height you, know, you, you like out there at 6'6 six, six or so. Um, he's a guy you can kind of throw it up to a little bit potentially. We'll see kind of what, what separation he can get at wide out compared to tight end. Um, but I think he's a guy that will be in that mix for the blocking, uh, if nothing else. And that's kind of the, I think, part of the reason we're here and guys like Falk and Warner and these other guys brought up so much is um, what they've shown as blockers. And I think this team does want to be a run-first team. And if you can't block out there on the perimeter, they're going to have a hard time uh, making you a big part of what they do. So um, from that perspective, maybe that's kind of where Hickman is able to jump into that, uh, into that mix. And then um, if he's out there kind of blocking, you never know, might uh, have a chance to make a big play here there when they do go through the air. So that, that whole wideout room, there's a lot of different guys that I can see making an impact this year. And at this point, I'm just not quite sure what that, what that depth chart and kind of what that rotation looks like. Jacob got about three minutes, so I got to squeeze in uh, just the, the front seven defensively. Are you um, – is, is that unit, when I look at the front seven, the, the line and the backers, uh, are they a group that you, you think there's guys ready to emerge or are there more questions? Yeah, I, 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 there are guys at each of those spots that I really like and I think have a chance to be very good. It's just that they have a lot to prove. And even a guy like Jojo Doman, who has shown how much of a playmaker he can be, He's got to show that he can be reliable and make the simple plays as well as kind of the, the splash ones. And they got to figure out, is Caleb Tanner ready to be the guy they need to be, or are they going to have to rotate some other guys in there to get kind of the pass rush that he needs? Um, I, I like Garrett Nelson, uh, but sophomore, he's kind of somewhat similar to uh, Doman in the fact that he's got to kind of keep learning how, how to do his job on every single possession uh, beyond just kind of playing hard. Um Defensive line, I think Ben Stilley is going to have a big year. I'm confident in him. The rest of that group, I think they've got some guys that, that can be good, but are they going to be good right away? Is Ty Robinson ready to be uh, a game-changing player? Is Keen Green kind of in, in position here now where he can be a big part of that? Is Damian Daniels ready to play a significant amount of snaps? Um, there are a lot of questions at, at those spots. And then inside linebacker, too. And I like Colin Miller. I, I like his upside. Um Will Honus has played a lot of football, and we're hearing a lot about Luke Reimers and he likes his upside. But um, last year, inside linebacker was a big weakness for this team. They got picked on in coverage on third down a lot. Um, Their run fits were inconsistent, and that was a big part of why you had three NFL guys up front and still gave up over five yards of carry. So there are so many questions at those spots. I don't think that – like the talent is missing there. I think they've got enough guys that could potentially be good players to allow them to take strides on defense, but they've got to go out and prove it now. It's hard to know exactly who those guys are going to be that rise to the occasion. Jacob Adilla is with us, HailMarsCity.com and Magazine. Jacob, about a minute, your reaction to uh, Bryce McGowan's having uh, Nebraska in his, uh, in his top five? Yeah, obviously uh, good work by the staff here to kind of get in that mix. Uh, five-star guards. Obviously, his older brother Trey is on the team and just got his waiver to play this season. He knows Elijah Wood, who's also on the team, is a freshman now. So the, the coaches are doing a good job of leveraging kind of what they've got to get in the mix here. And once they got their foot in the door, they, they've shown McGowan's enough to continue considering them. Uh, obviously, Nebraska's never landed uh, in the recruiting uh, website era, never landed a five-star player out of high school. 
So until it happens, I think you can always still be a little um, hesitant to go all in, but they're doing what they need to to be in this down uh, to the end. If And coming off uh, off of some of the struggles they've had recruiting to get this thing off the, off the ground here, to land Wilhelm Breedenbach and then potentially um, being it to the end here with Bryce McGowan, I think that's showing um, some really good progress by there, especially uh, the fact that they haven't been able to get on the court and show how much progress the program has made from year one to year two yet. Jacob, awesome stuff. We'll talk again soon, and thanks for your, your input today. All right, sounds good. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday at Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead is with us. Dr. Ben, how you doing? Doing well, Chris. How about yourself? Doing all right, man. Ready for some football, but the fall classic is upon us. And Cody Bellinger uh, put a scare into a lot of Dodger fans two nights ago uh, with the, uh, the, <laughs> the home run celebration in Game 7 against Atlanta. That right shoulder popping out of socket. Now, uh, Bellinger looked great last night when he went yard uh, with that that just wicked follow-through with his swing. I mean, he is beautiful to watch just swing out of his shoes. And I, I was interested here from a stability standpoint and, you know, uh, six more games to go potentially, three more games to go potentially for the Dodgers, but... Dr. Ben, let's spend a little bit of time just about that, that shoulder stability and all that you're, you're asked to do on the diamond defensively and then swinging the bat here. What's, uh, what's the outlook like for, for you know, Dodger star Cody Bellinger here to stay healthy? Yeah, well, just from watching last night, it looks like he was doing fine. Um, to his benefit, the position where you get – uh, with your arm when you actually dislocate or it pops out, generally is not going to put him in that position when he's batting um, or when he's really probably doing much in terms of the fielding. Um, if you actually watch the video uh, where he dislocated, his arm was kind of out and up above his head, and that's generally the position where you'll get in that dislocation type of um, position. And so hopefully, you know, they'll probably put some type of brace on him and you know, educate him a lot in terms of avoiding those types of positions while he's playing. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Cody Bellinger. And uh, now the the appropriate adjustment was made when it comes to home run celebrations. Uh, the the foot tap, the, the ode to kid and play. <laughs> but you look at that right <laughs> shoulder and uh, when it when it pops out it's not new. I mean, this has happened before to Cody Bellinger, and it didn't phase him turning around a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. Is this something that he'll eventually look at in the offseason to, to, to fix if it keeps popping out, or is he just going to go and, and go Mel Gibson here in Lethal Weapon and just do tricks at parties for people with, with the old shoulder <laughs> dislocation? I hope he's not doing that in terms of tricks at parties. But, Me neither, but you know what uh, I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, guys like this, 
where they do have this recurrent instabilities or recurrent dislocation type of episodes, you know, once it's happened and that train started going, they're certainly at a higher risk for that to happen again. Um, kind of the natural progression for people that have these types of episodes is that it takes less and less over time for them to dislocate. So you hear about the <clears throat> injuries maybe when somebody's being tackled or they fall on their arm and it takes a big traumatic incident um, to dislocate the first time. Well, once you tear those ligaments in that labrum, it takes less and less over time. And so if he puts himself in those positions that place him at risk for it, he's likely going to have, you know, easier chance for that shoulder to pop out. Obviously, it's been bothering him for some time. He said in his interview that it's happened over the months or years, or I'm not entirely sure when it's happened, but um, he certainly is going to be at a risk um, if this continues to happen until he gets it fixed. I would imagine that if it continues to be unstable in the off season, he'll probably take a hard look at getting it fixed. What is that process like, Dr. Ben, to, to get it fixed from a, is it just a, a heal up type deal or are we at the point of, of uh, medical procedure? Well, usually the first line for shoulder dislocations is to get, a, get into physical therapy, start working on the muscle stabilizers that strengthen the shoulder to help compensate while the rest of the shoulder injury area kind of scars down and helps the shoulder be stable. If therapy does not work in keeping that shoulder stable and these athletes continue to dislocate, then the next step is certainly going into surgery, tightening the ligaments around the shoulder in order to keep that ball where it belongs in the socket. So back in the day, you used to have a big open incision where you would go in and you'd have to tack all that down. Nowadays, you can actually go in there with a scope and make three or four separate poke holes and you can tighten those ligaments up around the shoulder now. And Medical advancements have certainly been huge for these types of procedures as well as helping these athletes get into recover quicker. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Jock Doc Wednesday, Cody Ballinger, our topic in that shoulder stability. So... Tell me a little bit about his brace, what you perceive that, that he may be wearing, and just how, how that helps, but also from a, from a comfort and a, and a free-flowing. And again, he didn't look bad last night swinging away. But just no. what's, what's he dealing with uh, as far as just from a precautionary standpoint? Yeah, that's a good question. So when people dislocate, and it sounded like he did truly dislocate, they had to take him into the locker room, put it back into place. Um, a lot of times, you actually take a couple weeks off, start doing rehab, working on the range of motion as the swelling goes down. Now he's in the World Series, and we're in a whole different scenario, and so he doesn't have time for that. So I'm sure they're working on him round the clock, um, likely resting him, I would imagine, in between games and not going very hard in terms of um, other types of activities. And then they'll put him in the brace, likely, while he's playing. The brace goes around the shoulder, and there's different types that you can use, but it helps keep that shoulder stable um, and help keeps him comfortable. And I'm sure they're doing a lot of educating as well, just to explain, hey, you know, if you get your hand overhead or in certain types of positions, it's going to place you at a higher risk for that shoulder being unstable. And so he's going to try and avoid those positions, obviously, because that'll place him at a risk without popping out. You know, it was interesting. There was a play in, in center where the ball got smoked and he ran it down, but he didn't make the catch. And, 
it's an unfamiliar ballpark because everybody's in Arlington. So how you know it's not it's not Dodger Stadium or it's not a familiar National League park per se. So he, there was a play last night that that they didn't give him an error on, but it turned out being an extra base hit didn't matter. It was eight to three, but just between his caution for the for the shoulder and just you know his range of motion where that right-handed glove is at, I thought that may have played something. And I'm reading into it, but I thought that that may have played something into him not tracking that ball down just because of the danger zone going into the wall and him being dinged on top of it. Do you think that's do you think that may be affected or could affect his defense in the outfield? Absolutely. I think it certainly could play a role. And you know, this is fresh in his mind because yeah. this only happened a couple days ago and so Anytime, you know, even though he's a world-class athlete, anytime he gets in that position of where it makes him feel uncomfortable like he's going to dislocate again, you know, he's probably going to hold back just a little bit. So, you know, the mind is a very dangerous thing when you've had a prior injury like that. He's certainly going to be gun-shy when he gets in those positions. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. A jock doc Wednesday, and Cody Ballinger looked fantastic last night despite the uh, the shoulder issue and separation uh, I should say dislocation not separation uh, in game seven and uh, Dodgers uh, get rolling game two against Tampa Dr. Ben great to get caught up with you we'll we'll do it again soon hey my pleasure Chris thanks again miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one final time hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery chris schmidt elijah herbal Good stuff from Jacob Padilla and Brad Edwards, Mike Babcock and Shuey. And uh, we are loaded up for tomorrow on the show. Gary Barnett, Bill Bender, and Dave Biddle, Buckeye Insider from Bucknuts. A little Brandon Vogel love tomorrow. And then Friday again at Kincader, uh, brewing down in the Haymarket Friday, Roadshow Friday. And uh, the good folks from uh, Broken Bow. As Kincaider's got the uh, Hale Varsity Ale, the Hale Ale. Elijah, have you tried that stuff yet? I have, yeah. Uh, my dad picked up a couple six-packs this weekend uh, as a reason to get me over to his house, you know? Um. <laughs> um, so if, if, the food, if, if the food and the smoking and the grilling doesn't do it for you, it's, it's got to be beer. Yeah, and, and all in combo, like, how could I say no? No, so, that's awesome. So it, I, it's, I thought I tried it. It's, it's easy drinking, Yeah, but it's better than, like, your, uh, your bottom shelf beer that a, a college student would be used to, you know? Sure. Well, and if dad's buying a 12-pack a of that for you, I mean, you got to give dad a hug on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... Free beer? Come on now. When, when I'd, we'd show up to Dad's house and uh, he would he would make us put five or ten in on it. Mm. Or it was, no, that that, that gray goose is not for you. <laughs> all right, you get you get the uh, the well treatment. I'm kidding at all, but no, that's awesome. Having a chance to have some hail ale uh, with Papa Bear, that's really cool, man. And. You know, excited for uh, for being out of Kincaider, 
on uh, Friday. Reminder about uh, buckling up here. Your friends at the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce risk of injury or fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So you watching a little World Series tonight? Uh, a little bit, but if this weather holds off, it's uh, it's playoff time for my intramural softball team, and it's it's Ooh. you know senior year. I got to go get a get an intramural championship before I graduate. I, this ain't intramurals, brother, except for you. Good <laughs> for you. You you since you're tall, are you at first? I am at first. It's a good call. I'm also batting uh, tenth because you get ten players in softball, so I'm turning over the order. I'm just gonna. <sighs> Look out is, on the is, that, side. is that kind of like, well, we've got a clean-up hitter every four spots in the lineup type deal, or is softball just something you do for the camaraderie? Uh, I'm a great... I'm a, a great guy in the field. We'll say that. Okay, so you're a defensive specialist. Yeah, at, at the... <laughs> at, at the plate... Uh, just was never my strong suit. But it's not. I mean, it, it, it's it's slow pitch, right? Oh yeah, it's slow pitch. Well, you should be able to hit, or do you just try and swing for the fences every time? Oh, I swing for the fences every time. Are you kidding me? What have you hit me out? No, no. <laughs> no. We play with uh, the 325 foot fence, uh, which is a lot for softball. Oh uh, yeah, and it's way too much for me. I'm I'm nice at hitting uh, lazy pop flies to left field. You're the sack fly guy, and you're a defensive specialist versus the other side of things where. You can swing the stick, but you're a butcher in the field, and they gotta hide you. Uh, the old Nick Gregeth. No, I think Nick's I'm, pretty. I'm, I'm just, I'm just I think Nick's pretty, mistake. pretty good at both. Um, I mean, his team I, finished what second in the second country? in the world. Oh my god! But you've got guys like Domain and Mizuno, and got a got a squad. That's a good softball squad. Back at you tomorrow at four with Hale Varsity. Thanks for tuning in.